7. For the pride of life. When your work speaks for itself, don't interrupt. Henry J. Kaiser People take great pride in their work. The famous songstress Aretha Franklin comes to mind as she brazenly declared, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me. And lest my readers presume the popular song is solely a female anthem, I would point out the lesser-known fact that Otis Redding originally released it two years prior. Men and women alike have an inherent need to be respected for their contributions and achievements. This is particularly true when it comes to our work and vocational pursuits. An inherent feeling of satisfaction accompanies finishing a difficult task or completing a meaningful assignment. This is because our ego is figuratively and literally invested in our work. Ego, which is Latin for I, is the part of our psyche that experiences and reacts to the outside world. Our self-esteem is affected by the value placed on our work. When others value our work, it lifts our self-esteem. Criticism of our work has the opposite effect. It matters that we receive respect for our work. The fact that our work matters to us is a good thing. Good work is indeed something we should be proud of. As with most things, though, it is important to keep pride in a proper perspective. Pride is an attitude of the mind. There are two common definitions for pride that have very different connotations. The first definition of pride refers to a feeling of pleasure you get because you or someone you are closely connected with does something good. This positive connotation associated with achievement is also tempered with humility. There is a second definition of pride which has a negative connotation and refers to a high or exaggerated opinion of one's importance or achievements. This selfish type of pride is typified by a lack of humility. Our feelings about our vocational abilities, accomplishments, and achievements can lead to positive or negative expressions of pride. There is a thin line between these two contrasting expressions. Exhibiting the type of work ethic that keeps us firmly on the right side of the line is essential to discovering joy in our work. Time for Promotion Several years ago, I had a dinner conversation with my family that reinforced our constant need to manage the emotion of pride with the spirit of humility. It was the early part of the year, which was a particularly busy time for me professionally. As a general manager with bottom-line accountability, a variety of urgent matters typically arise at the start of a new year. The days often feel like a series of sprints during those periods. During one of those busy days, I received some terrific news from my manager a member of the company's executive management committee. He stopped by my office to inform me that the board of directors had approved my promotion to executive vice president. My company, like other corporations, confers official titles that denote one's level of seniority within the company. The official title is also a designation that signifies a level of respect or regard for cumulative contributions to the enterprise. Beginning with the first designation of officer, an employee can be promoted based on ongoing assessments of performance. The title of Executive Vice President is a highly coveted title and one of the highest distinctions conferred in our firm. Forty-five of the approximately 15,000 employees held the designation at the time. I felt a strong sense of pride when I received word of my promotion. 
It showed respect for my contributions to the organization and a reflection of how my work was viewed by my superiors. It was effectively a show of respect for my work. I paused and phoned my wife to share the news, turning quickly again to the pressing matters of the day. When I arrived home late that evening, my wife and two sons were still at the dinner table. Although they had finished, they patiently waited to ensure I received a warm welcome. My sons, who were 10 and 12 years of age at the time, didn't know much about corporate culture. They also paid no mind to professional titles. They did, however, know they had hard-working parents, and they surmised a promotion was surely a good thing. My wife had previously worked in a management role for a leading consulting firm. She knew all too well the demands of the corporate world and the enduring challenges of the workplace. While my wife had a natural appreciation for this recent accomplishment, my sons were interested in getting a better understanding of what it meant. As I began my supper, my eldest son began the inquiry. He specifically wanted to understand why I was promoted. He is an abstract thinker like his father and is naturally drawn to questions of why. Though not an exact science, exceptional performance and a proven facility to work well with others are generally prerequisites for promotion. I explained my promotion reflected the value placed on the service I rendered to co-workers and clients. He was reasonably satisfied with my response. My younger son is highly analytical and a concrete communicator in the mold of his mother. He was interested to understand the practical changes that would come because of my promotion. He proceeded to ask a series of questions. Are you moving to a new office? Will you be working with different people? Are you getting a new boss? Do you have different responsibilities? Are you making more money? He was surprised to find the answer to each of these questions was no. Clearly perplexed, he asked, What does promotion mean at your company? It was an innocent yet insightful question. What does a promotion really mean? As the words settled, I realized his final question was very profound. From his vantage point, no practical changes resulted from my promotion. The change in title was very meaningful in one context and had little meaning in a different context. His question encouraged some healthy introspection on my part. The promotion was a commendation of my work and an important milestone in my career progression. It was genuinely something to be proud of. This form of respect is a familiar source of motivation that fosters our work ethic. Like any externally driven motivation, it must be kept in the proper context. We must be careful not to unduly tie our self-worth to our position or the esteem in which others hold us. I can readily admit that promotion matters as it relates to my work. The concern is not whether it matters, but rather whether it matters too much. There is a selfish form of pride that can arise in relation to our professional contributions, status, or accomplishments. This kind of pride or self-promotion presages professional and personal failures. Transforming your occupation into your vocation requires you to rise above selfish ambition. Again, it entails maturing mentally and spiritually to the point that your motivation for work originates from within. This selfless brand of promotion is essential to discovering joy in your work. Let your work do the talking. 
Henry Kaiser was an industrialist who was widely regarded as the father of modern shipbuilding. He not only famously built ships during World War II, but he was responsible for many commercial enterprises that bear his namesake. He formed Kaiser Aluminum, Kaiser Steel, Kaiser Motors, and Kaiser Permanente, which provided health care for his workers and their families. Kaiser, the son of ethnic German immigrants, rose from humble beginnings by means of his strong work ethic and entrepreneurial spirit. The broader impact of his life's work extended beyond the enterprises he founded. His work and entrepreneurism were instrumental in the development and prosperity of the American West. His involvement in the construction of civic centers, schools, roads, and dams is a lasting testament to his work contributions. He also used his wealth to establish the Kaiser Family Foundation, which focuses on health issues. Despite his many contributions, he is remembered as a pragmatic man who did not seek the limelight. His attitude toward work is best exemplified by a simple quote. When your work speaks for itself, don't interrupt. In other words, he did not demand respect, but rather his work commanded respect. When we consider the words and deeds of Henry Kaiser, it is apparent he took great pride in his work. He experienced joy derived from his many professional achievements, and the value of his work spoke on his behalf. In fact, his work continues to speak to future generations. People with a genuine work ethic feel no compulsion to brag or behave in a way that puffs up their ego. They recognize pride in one's work differs from pride in one's self. This type of humility starkly contrasts what we commonly observe and even our own inclination at times. We are regularly encouraged to promote our personal brand, raise our professional profile, and highlight our vocational achievements, all in the name of career success. The way we see ourselves relative to our co-workers unconsciously becomes a primary focus. Our work is connected to our selfhood, and we want respect. This generally results in a tendency to exaggerate our position or contributions relative to others. The wisdom of Henry Kaiser's words becomes even more apparent. We are most productive and most fulfilled when we simply allow our work to speak for itself. This disposition earns the respect of others and helps guard our heart against selfish pride. Who gets the credit? One form of pride is synonymous with hubris or lack of humility. This attitude of the heart, which differs from pride in our work, is evidenced when we seek to advance or exaggerate our position relative to others. This attitude impairs our ability to do good work and adversely affects our relationships with others. This self-centered form of pride is most commonly typified by four distinct behaviors presumption, boastfulness, arrogance, and ostentation. Each of these behaviors results from an unhealthy relationship with our work. We too often focus on looking good as opposed to doing good. There is a basic litmus test for distinguishing pride in our work from selfish pride. Who gets the credit? This simple question reveals a great deal about our true motives. 
Are we principally concerned with the degree to which we are acknowledged for the work we perform? Are we envious of others who are recognized for their work? Do we praise co-workers for shared successes? Do we readily accept accountability for our mistakes or failures? Do we disparage the work of others to exalt our own work? I can admit to instances when I have been inordinately concerned with who gets the credit. This type of self-interest deprives us of the true joy to be experienced in our work. Work ethic reflects the belief that our vocation is instrumental in building our character. A genuine work ethic is exemplified by the quality of humility, having a modest opinion of one's own self-importance. It is exemplified by being courteous and respectful to others, as opposed to demanding respect. A humble person does not suffer from low self-esteem. Quite the contrary. A humble person has a healthy self-esteem. This enables the individual to pursue the moral benefits of work and not simply personal gain. Selfish pride is antithetical to this mindset because it is fueled by an undue emphasis on the external motivation of respect. Our opinion of our position relative to others matters too much to us. This preoccupation with our position takes our focus away from our work and erodes the qualities of the work ethic. Moreover, this mindset leads to presumptuous, boastful, arrogant, or ostentatious behaviors. It would be convenient to ignore a consideration of these behaviors, save the sobering reality we are all susceptible to them. Martin Luther King Jr. spoke rightly when he said, There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. We will examine the root causes of selfish pride and learn how a true work ethic guards against its manifestations. Addressing Bad Behaviors Presumption Presumption, which is often marked by overstepping proper bounds, is associated with self-centered pride. It is synonymous with forward or overconfident behaviors. Presumptuous behavior can even be well-intentioned but betray an inflated sense of one's own importance. Assuming authority in the boss's absence, when unwarranted, is an example of presumption. Exaggerating your own contributions in relation to those of co-workers is another example of presumptuous behavior. Our thirst for glory reveals a lack of respect for other people. This type of behavior devalues our work. Understanding the root cause holds the key to guarding against this behavior. Since the impetus for presumption is to take credit from others, we do well to practice the opposite. A wise man once told me we each have lights intended to shine brightly. The question is whether we choose to shine like a moon or a star. He preferred a moon because it shines by reflecting light. As it applies to our work, the message is clear. Most of our work is done in collaboration with others. Therefore, we should be quick to credit others and recognize their work. By doing so, we cultivate a genuine work ethic and discover joy in our work. Boastfulness Boastfulness is another behavior associated with self-centered pride. 
Taking excessive pride in one's abilities or achievements marks boastfulness. This behavior is primarily revealed by what we say. As the proverb says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Luke chapter 6 verse 45 Boastful individuals talk about their ability and their work in a self-admiring way. This prideful form of speaking may begin with meritorious claims, but often lead to excessive or embellished assertions. The desire for others to hold us in excess esteem leads to boastfulness. You've undoubtedly encountered someone you've considered boastful. What did you think of that person? What impression do we make when we exhibit similar behaviors? This type of immodesty reveals a lack of self-awareness. It is utterly opposed to Henry Kaiser's admonishment to let our work do the talking. Understanding the root cause of this behavior helps us guard against it. Since it stems from the desire to be held in excess esteem, the antidote is obvious. We must esteem our co-workers highly. In fact, I argue we should concern ourselves more with the well-being of our co-workers and be less concerned with our own standing. Work is much more enjoyable when we learn to care about ourselves less. This, too, is one of the secrets to discovering joy in our work. Arrogance Arrogance is marked by an overbearing manner and offensive displays of self-importance. Arrogant behavior reflects an attitude of superiority that comes from a belief we are smarter, better, or more important than our co-workers. This is not simply an insulting way of thinking. It is an insulting way of being. By that, I refer to both conscious and unconscious actions aimed at those around us. The desire to feel more important or more valued than our co-workers leads to arrogance. And while we rightly associate arrogance with an undue sense of self-confidence, it ultimately reveals an unhealthy sense of self-esteem. Again, guarding against this type of behavior is tied to our ability to uncover the root cause. My father taught me a great deal about work and life. He would often say that comparison breeds discontentment. I am regularly reminded of this prescient observation as I navigate my professional career. Too often we rob ourselves of the delight in our work by comparing ourselves to others. The key to guarding against arrogance is learning to chart and complete our own course. We do not discover joy in our work by making it comparatively better. It is discovered by making our work the best it can be. We further guard against arrogance by demonstrating our appreciation for the work of others. Arrogance and appreciation cannot occupy the same mental space. Ostentation Ostentation is the final behavior I associate with selfish pride. It is exhibited through pretentious or vainglorious displays intended to attract attention. Ostentatious behavior reflects an inordinate need for external validation. And while most expressions of prideful behavior betray self-centered motives, ostentation is arguably the most pronounced. The desire to have positions of power over others to inflate our ego 
leads to ostentation. This desire reflects both a high degree of insecurity and a low level of empathy. Ostentatious behavior is a power play with the goal of usurping authority. This aggressive posture leads to conflict with coworkers. Just as before, understanding the root cause of this behavior helps us put appropriate safeguards in place. The key to guarding against ostentation is what I refer to as the Superman principle. This fictional character is imbued with superhuman abilities and a strong moral compass. Rather than seek a position of power over others, he humbly assumes the identity of Clark Kent. The mild-mannered reporter eschews ostentatious displays, all the while protecting humanity through his alternate identity, Superman. Each of us is imbued with God-given abilities and must similarly use our powers for good. Again, we must focus on doing good as opposed to looking good. Empowering others exemplifies a true work ethic and is a sure path to discovering joy in our work. Feeling inflated? You are likely familiar with the proverbial expression that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Galatians chapter 5, verse 9. Leaven is a substance, usually yeast, which causes dough to ferment and rise. Metaphorically, it describes a pervasive influence that alters or changes someone or something. This metaphor is a fitting simile for selfish pride, which engenders an inflated opinion of one's position or abilities. The slightest hint of this type of attitude can negatively impact your work. A brief science lesson on yeast is quite instructive. Microscopic yeasts are present in the air all around you, yet are undetectable to your natural senses. These airborne elements will organically cling to a mixture of dough under most atmospheric conditions. Once the leaven is added, fermenting or puffing up will occur naturally. Selfish pride works in much the same way. The external stimuli that lead to selfish desires and prideful behavior are all around you. I'm not sure what came over you in that meeting today, but I frankly thought you were condescending, Stan said sternly. As I stared at him in disbelief, I quickly replayed the earlier meeting in my mind. What had I missed? I had recently assumed a role managing the firm's brokerage business. A major part of my responsibilities involved working with several business unit leaders to deliver brokerage services to their clients. Several of my team members were unhappy with the way our services were marketed to clients. In short, they felt we should have been a higher priority. I shared their sentiment and felt pressured to assert our view. This is just the type of stimuli that leads to an unhealthy form of pride. Stan was a highly respected executive who employed a quiet style of leadership. Stan had also become a dear friend to me. As such, his rebuke really got my attention. After a long pause, I looked at Stan earnestly and said, I apologize. It was the only reasonable response. After further reflection, my blind spot came into clear view. The substance of my message wasn't the issue. My inflated ego was the problem. A little leaven does indeed leaven the lump. The next day, I personally apologized to each executive that attended the meeting. It was a humbling experience that left a lasting impression.
Remember, pride is not inherently bad as it pertains to work. However, our attitude and behavior must be critically examined to ensure our motives are pure. A healthy degree of self-respect removes the inclination to demand respect from your coworkers. Likewise, recognizing the contributions of coworkers and making sure others see them puts our own work in the proper perspective. Guarding your heart against selfish pride allows your true work ethic to shine through. This leads to contentment in your position and joy in your work. Chapter 7 Reflections For the Pride of Life Key Insights Respect is another primary motivation for work. You must, however, be careful to act with humility because your ego is invested in your work. Satisfaction is derived from finishing a difficult task or completing a meaningful assignment. When your motivation for work originates from within, you begin to transform your occupation into your vocation. Selfishly seeking to advance your position impairs your ability to do good work and adversely affects your relationships with others. Don't care who gets the credit. Be quick to credit others and recognize their work. Maintain a modest opinion of your own self-importance and be courteous to others. Allow your work to speak for itself. Work becomes more enjoyable as you learn to care less about yourself.